Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Truth for Living with Pastor Tim Reynolds. We sure are excited you're with us today, whether you're listening by radio or on the podcast. Let me remind you that all of our messages are on the Bible Truth podcast, available at your favorite podcast platform. And uh, all of our radio messages, including other verse-by-verse teachings uh, from my dad, Dr. Ron Reynolds. And uh, we encourage you to uh, find that, and uh, you can subscribe and get those updates on a daily basis. Another announcement before I get into today's message, we'd like you to mark your calendars for Saturday, October the 28th. That will be our annual Saturday for Special Needs. We call it Superhero Saturday, and it's from 4 to 6.30 p.m. If you know of uh, an individual or family... Uh, that has a child or adult with uh, special needs. This is a day where we have all kinds of carnival. It's a carnival-like atmosphere, really. We have everything from horseback rides to petting zoo, uh, balloon tying. We have uh, Judah First Band. They're going to provide live music. And uh, we have free hot dogs and brats and snow cones and just a big day. All of it is absolutely free. It's at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple at 817 Woodland Drive, just off of Route 37 south in Mount Vernon. This will be, I believe, our fourth annual uh, Superhero Special Needs Saturday. So mark your calendar. Now, if you would like to volunteer, we can always use volunteers in in all sorts of areas, whether it's serving food or maybe even walking around uh, the circuit with a buddy. You know, our our friends with special needs have buddies that take them around. Some of them are in wheelchairs or walkers, or maybe they just have a difficult time getting around. And I guarantee you, you will come to be a blessing and you will leave having received a blessing. It's just a great event. We call it Special Needs Superhero. Hero Saturday coming up on Saturday, October the 28th, 4 to 6.30 p.m. at Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. Today, I'm bringing a message titled, What is So Special About the Church? I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. The Bible says, when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and the name Peter means a little pebble or little stone, and upon this rock, referring to Christ himself, this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Authors Jim Davis and Michael Graham recently released a book titled The Great De-Churching, Who's Leaving, Why They Are Going, and What Will It Take to Bring Them Back? One interesting statistic that they mention in their book, at least I found it fascinating, is this, that more people have left the church in the past 25 years than all the new people who became Christians from the First Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, and all the Billy Graham Crusades combined. That's just hard to imagine. Now, the authors classify the de-churched as those who attended a church service at least once a month and now attend less 
less than once a year. They calculate that number as 57 million Americans that are now de-churched, and that number is growing. You add that to the 161 million unchurched in America who haven't even darkened the doors of a church, and that tells us that over 200 million American people are out of church. No wonder our culture has become so secular. Now, according to this article, the average church congregation size was 140 people in 2000, and now the average congregation size is 60 people. That's averaging all the large churches and smaller churches together. So you have quite a decrease there just in a matter of uh, a little over 20 years. Now, I believe it's true that the church has some responsibility uh, for the decline of attendees. In the past several years, there have been sex scandals, financial scandals, uh, an abuse of leadership, false teaching, things like the prosperity gospel and other things like that. People have become distrustful of the church. However, statistics prove that when communities have solid churches, and thank God I believe here in Jefferson County, we have several good solid churches that are operating biblically. And when people are attending in those communities, the crime rates drop, families are stronger, marriages are healthier, and even businesses do better. Well, why is that? What is it that is so special about the church that it changes communities and can have such an effect on the culture? Now, we can study and debate on how to attract people back to church, and that certainly has been tried over the last several years, whether that is adding more programs or having better music, better performances, building relationships, meeting social needs. These are all things that the church uh, attempts to do, and they're not all bad, but these are things that Uh, make the church uh, welcoming, but it doesn't make the church special. There are only certain things that make the church special and unique, so much so that it changes the heart of mankind and affects the culture. We're going to look at five qualities that make the church special. Now, before I get into uh, the outline of the message, I want to explain that term church. We need to know what the church is. Well, really, there is uh, th- there are two churches, all right? First of all, there is the universal church. When I say universal, I'm talking about the church that is the body of Christ made up of every born-again believer. It is not a denomination. It is not a building. It is a body. It's the body of Christ. The Greek word is ekklesia, a called-out assembly. doesn't matter what your denomination is. If you have placed your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation, you are part of what you might call the universal church or the body of Christ. And then you have the local church. Now, there are several local churches, uh, even in our community. I don't know how many churches we have in Jefferson County, but we have several. And a local church is a body of believers. This is where you go to uh, hear the Word of God preached and hear it taught. Uh, It's where you go to serve and use your spiritual gifts to give of your tithes and offerings and to fellowship with God's people. So you have the universal church and you have the local church, which both really are included in what we're going to be looking at today. So first of all, the church is special because of its progenitor. Now, the word progenitor means founder or originator. And we see through the scripture we're looking at today that Jesus Christ is the progenitor or the founder of the church. Did you know the church is not mentioned at all in the Old Testament? In fact, the first time you find it in the Bible is right here in Matthew 16 and verse 18. Jesus says, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Now, 
The apostle Peter himself wanted to clarify that it is Christ and not Peter who is the foundation of the church. Now, Peter did have the distinction of preaching the inaugural message on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2, and 3,000 were saved and added to the church. But the church itself, the body of Christ, is not founded on Peter. It's founded on Christ. Peter makes that distinction in his letter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and listen please to verses 6 and 7. The reason I'm telling you this is that some people have this confused. When Jesus says, thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, they think, well, he must have been talking to Peter. No, he is making a distinction. Peter, little stone, but I'm building this church on myself, the rock, the, the big rock, okay? And uh, here's First Peter 2 and verse 6. Peter writes, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. You know, with a building, you'll often see a cornerstone at the corner of that building, maybe with a date when the building was established or built. A chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Well, if that was talking about Peter himself, Peter would be saying, If you believe on me, then uh, you won't be confounded or won't be confused. But he's not talking about himself. He's talking about Christ. Verse 7, Unto you therefore which believe he, Christ, is precious. But unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed. The builders there referring to the Jews. Christ came first to Israel. And the Bible says that he came into his own, his own people, and his own received him not, which made salvation available to all, both Jew and Gentile. He says the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. So again, making the distinction and making it clear that it is Jesus Christ that the church is built upon. You know, every successful business, every successful organization has a human founder. Uh, Walmart was founded by Sam Walton. Uh, McDonald's, I believe, was it was uh, Ray Kroc who was the founder of McDonald's. Every organization. But the church is special because its founder is Jesus Christ the Lord. Number two, the church is special because of its people. Peter goes on in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 and says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. There's something peculiar. That word peculiar means different or unique. He goes on to write that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, the church is special because of its people. And the Bible says here that we are a peculiar people. Now, what what does that mean? Well, first of all, I believe it means we are peculiar in our love. We're peculiar in our love, first of all, for God. Uh, here's another great scripture in First Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. Whom having not seen, ye love, referring to Christ. Though now you see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. You see, the world thinks it's strange that we sing praises and give tithes and offerings to, and we, we preach and teach about someone we have never seen. But even though we've not seen him with the physical eye, we see him with the eye of faith. I like the old song that says, oh, I want to see him look upon his face there to be forever because of his saving grace. You know, I'm looking forward to seeing him. But even though 
though I haven't seen him yet, I love him. And that what is what makes Christians so peculiar. We love God even though we have not yet seen him with our own eyes, but we will one day. And then we are peculiar in our love for one another. Jesus gives this command in John chapter 13. Listen, please. John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. You know, even the world knows there's something peculiar about us because we love one another. That is what makes the church so unique. When you gather with your body of believers, You're bringing together people of different ages, different backgrounds, different economies, different experiences, and yet we are all one in Christ, and we are to love one another. I've always said this, if you don't love being around other Christians, I would check my salvation. If you're more comfortable with the world's people than you are God's people, there's something wrong, because automatically, whenever you get saved, you begin to want to be around people who think like you and and, uh, act like you and see uh, the world like you do through the lens of God and his word. And so we're to love one another. That makes us peculiar. We're peculiar in our love for God. We're peculiar in our love for one another. And then we are peculiar in our love for others. We should love other people, especially the lost. We're not to condemn them. You know, I've heard people say, well, boy, the people today are just so terrible. And boy, the world is so bad. And why do lost people act like they do and whatever? Well, they do that because they're unbelievers. They don't know any better. We must love them. And if we love them, we're going to give them the gospel so that they can have the same good news that we have. And so we're peculiar in the fact that we love others, especially the lost. And then not only are we peculiar in our love, but we are peculiar in our living. We're peculiar in our living. Now, we're to love the lost, yet without living like the lost. Um, I'm afraid what we try to do is we want to convert the lost, and so we begin to live like the lost, thinking we're going to convert them. And most of the time, it works the opposite direction. They will actually pull us down. We need to be very careful about this. We're to be friends with lost people. If if you're not friendly, you'll never have anybody to, to win to Christ. And yet we're to do that without... Uh, becoming so close with them that we pick up their mannerisms and their way of thinking and their habits and their way of life. Well, let, let me let the Bible speak for itself. Second Corinthians chapter six and, uh, and verse 14 says, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. Unequally yoked means going in the same direction and, and a tight knit. It doesn't mean you're not to be friends. It just means don't become such close associates that you end up thinking like the world and acting like the world. So don't be unequally yoked. And then verse 17 says, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. So the Bible does teach separation. We are to separate from the world. Jesus said, you're in the world, but you're not of the world. And we must be careful to make that distinction. And that is what makes us peculiar, both in our love and in our living. Number three, the church is special because of its purpose. Now, every successful business or organization has a purpose. For example, McDonald's has a purpose. Their purpose is to sell hamburgers, all right, or whatever it is they have on their menu in order to make money. Uh, 
Ford Motor Company wants to sell vehicles so they can make money. Uh, The Red Cross has a purpose, that is to provide emergency care whenever it is needed. Well, what about the church? What is the purpose of the church? I think really the church has a twofold purpose when you really simplify it. Number one, the church, uh, the first purpose of the church is to reach others with the gospel. I believe that is our primary purpose. That is found in Matthew chapter 28 in what we call the Great Commission. Matthew 28 and verse 19, Jesus says, go ye therefore, all right? Don't get saved and just plop down in a seat and wait for me to come. He says, go, you need to go out, you need to reach. That's the primary responsibility of the church. A church that is not trying to reach other people will become stagnant and eventually die out. We're to reach people every way we can. We attempt to do that through our radio ministry, through our podcast ministry, through bus ministry, through missionaries, and all of the other things that churches get involved with. They all should have the the primary purpose of reaching souls with the gospel. The word gospel is good news. That is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's the first purpose. The second purpose of the church is to teach God's word. So we're to reach and then we're to teach. Jesus goes on in Matthew 28, 19, go ye therefore, there's the reach, and teach all nations. There's the teaching part. Now, what are we to teach then? Our opinions or how we feel about things? No, we're to teach the word of God, the plain, simple word of God. Teach them what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Sometimes that means even uh, the preacher will step on your toes. You know, the old timers called it that. Got my toes stepped on today. If the preacher never steps on your toes, he's not doing his job. And I have found this to be true as a preacher. We get our toes stepped on. On whenever we study for a message. You know, God works me over sometimes as I'm preparing a message. He speaks to me some things I need to uh, take care of in my own life. And that's what the church does. That's what the, the purpose of the church is. Paul tells Timothy this in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 2, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. That means don't go with fads and ups and downs. You just stay consistent. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now, here's what that means means. Number one, you get your toe stepped on. The pastor has to speak on sin and hell and judgment. Those things must be addressed or the preacher's not doing his job. At the same time, we're to encourage. The wages of sin is death. If you don't get saved, you're going to die and go to hell. But let me tell you something. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. He's ready and willing to save us. Amen. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we get our toe stepped on, we get that exhortation, and then we get that encouragement to to move forward, get saved, serve God, do better, live for Jesus. And notice it says with all long suffering. That means we have to take people where they are. You don't change a life overnight. A heart doesn't change overnight. You have to be patient and long suffering and with doctrine. Bible doctrine is very important. Again, the preacher must use the word of God, not just trying to, uh, you know, give five ways to be a better person, but use the Word of God to teach and to give doctrine to help us to know how to live. That is the purpose of the church. Number four, the church is special because of its power. Back to the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and verse 18, Jesus says, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. 
Now he says that saying, now I've, res- I've, I've resurrected and now all the power is with me. And now I'm going to make a power transfer. I'm going to give you the power to go and to reach others and to teach others about me. Our power source, listen, does not come from self. It doesn't come from the preacher. It doesn't come from the, the elders or the deacons or the pulpit committee. The power doesn't come from government. The power comes from God through the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, uh, every preacher, I believe, and I, I try to do this every week. In fact, every time before I, I speak, just take a few moments. Holy Spirit, please be in the message today. Be behind the words. Be in our service. Because if the Holy Spirit power is not there, we may as well call ourselves a club and just get together and have a little bit of uh, fellowship time and go home. But no, we want the Holy Spirit in our services, in our music, in our testimony, every aspect, because the Holy Spirit is the power. Here's what Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says, and when they had prayed, and I believe that's where the power comes from as well, we must pray for it. The place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now, there's the first um, example of what happens whenever uh, you have a spirit-filled church. People begin to speak the word of God with boldness, without any fear, being unafraid. Here's another um, result of that. The multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. That means they're unified. A spirit-filled church is bold in, pe- in preaching the gospel, and then it is unified. The church should not be a place that's noted for fussing and feuding and cliques and all of these things. No, we should be unified. The devil wants to create disunity, but God's church should be unified together. And the Bible says in verse 33, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. That great power comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Theologian Oswald J. Smith said this, people who are satisfied to meet together simply for a good time are far away from God. Real spirituality always produces an outcome from its power, and that power is the Holy Spirit. The last thing that I'll share with you, number five, the church is special because of its promise. First of all, we have a promise of peace. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance wheresoever I have said unto you. And then here's verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Beloved, the devil is out to steal your peace. If you watch the news, you'll you'll have your peace stolen within five minutes. But it just seems like every time you turn the news on, something else bad has happened. And uh, the the just at living every day, uh, the media will steal your peace. News will steal your peace. Uh, your job will steal your peace. But that's what Satan wants to do. The world wants to take your peace. But Jesus says, I offer peace that the world can't offer. The world's peace says, well, take a pill and that'll give you peace. Drink some alcohol. That will give you peace. See a therapist. That will give you peace. Those Those things will not give you lasting peace. Only a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, being saved, and then I personally believe being connected to a church family will help bring that peace in your life, even whenever chaos is going on all around you. So we have the promise of peace. And then lastly, we have the promise of a place. Jesus says in John 14 and verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You see, Jesus is saying, I'm going somewhere and I'm preparing a place, and then I'm going to come back and get you. He's been preparing that place now for over 2,000 years. But I want you to know something. Church attendance will not get you to heaven. We've been talking about the church and the importance of church, and, and church attendance is a wonderful thing. You should attend church if, if you're at all able to do that, but going to church will not get you to heaven. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ will get us to heaven. Prepared, a prepared place is for prepared people, and prepared people are those who have trusted Jesus Christ alone. Jesus says in John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. So you don't get to heaven by going to church or being baptized or being a good neighbor. You get to heaven by being prepared. How do you get prepared? You say, Pastor, I, I still don't get it. What, what do I do? Well, you need to know, first of all, that you're a sinner. The Bible says we've all sinned, all right? And then you need to believe Jesus died and rose again for your sins, and then you must ask him to save you. You can pray a prayer, not the words to save you, but meaning it with your heart. Lord Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me and you rose again for me. Jesus, I repent of my sin. Forgive me and save me. And the Bible says when you do that, you are born again. You are now a prepared person for a prepared place. And then you go to church and you begin to find your strength as you unite with the body of Christ. And that local church is where you give your tithes and offerings. You use your spiritual gifts to be a blessing to others. I'll close with this little illustration. You know, several times a week, we stop at a filling station to put gas in the tank. If you don't stop at the gas station and you keep running, pretty soon you're running on fumes and then uh, you're on the roadside, you're out of gas. Well, uh, in, in a spiritual sense, the church is your spiritual fuel station. Too many Christians sit on spiritual empty because they don't go to the place to get their spiritual tank filled. That's why we need to keep coming to church. We need it every opportunity we can, whether that is once a week, ideally, if your church meets at nighttime, maybe Sunday night or Wednesday night, whatever it is, you go back twice, maybe three times, because every time we go, we get encouraged. And especially, I believe, as we see the day of the Lord's return getting near, we ought to want to be close to our church family and strength be strengthened in the Lord. And I encourage us all to do that. Well, thank you so much for tuning in today to Bible Truth for Living. We look forward to being with you at our next appointed time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you, is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.